I'm Noelle, and I'm joined by Mark Johnston of the band called Melts Before. How are you? I'm doing well, other than I just broke my stand for my phone. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's not good. Hopefully you can get that fixed soon. But um, so first off, tell us your role in the band, like uh, what instrument you play and everything. Well, um I am the singer, screamer, singer guy, um, <clears throat> and I kind of am the one that starts with the ideas and the songs, I mean, at least for this last one, Okay. Um, and so on the album, I'm doing some guitars, vocals, some bass, uh, and then a little bit of like fill-in stuff here and there, so okay, cool. but mostly singing. Nice. So <clears throat> you describe the band as uh, PMA hardcore, like uh positive mental attitude and you it's that that's kind of interesting because usually hardcore is about like getting your rage out and you know the lyrics are usually pretty angry so what made you decide to create hardcore music that was like more positive um the band actually started as a way for me to pass down some knowledge to my son Um, okay my son He's eight years old right now, oh. uh, speech delayed and autistic. And so uh, language has been a struggle for him over the years. Uh, it's gotten a lot better, but mm-hmm. we started off by doing uh, cover songs. <clears throat> so the first okay. song that we did together, we did a Faith No More song. And I would like piece together the words that he would say and then put the music behind it. And he would go back and listen to it, hear himself, and then kind of repeat it back. So seeing how positive an influence music has been on him and his development uh, with his language, I wanted to create something that he could listen to over the years and get a positive message from and kind of a, a blueprint for a better way to live life. Um, there's, been, there's been many hardcore bands that have kind of done positive stuff, Yeah. but it's the, the great thing about, you know, music is you can take, either the negative music or the positive music and pull something positive from it. So right. like you could listen to something that's totally angry and violent and that's how you get your aggression out. Yeah. So you, you go through it with that singer or with that band and you come out the other end feeling better because you've both yeah. had that cathartic release of the right. anger. <clears throat> My perspective from it is I've already done all that. Um, yeah. And at this point in my life, I just, I don't have a lot of that anger anymore, but I still enjoy yelling. Yeah. Playing <laughs> <laughs> that type of music. So yeah. at least I can kind of do it with a more positive spin. You know, in bands like yeah. Kill Switch Engage, like they have very positive lyrics, but it just sounds super crazy. Heavy. Yeah. But I've always really loved cool. the, yeah, I've loved the dichotomy of it. Like on the flip side, I really love Saves the Day. And I don't know if you've heard yeah. them, but yeah. like, super nice happy music but he's singing about hanging somebody and cutting their throat <laughs> and drinking their blood and all right. this crazy stuff it's like 
yeah oh, it's okay. an interesting like <clears throat> juxtaposition i think that's cool yeah. so how did you guys meet and decide to start making music together uh it started off i was making this you know music with my son and mm. i was like well i kind of want to do something on my own with it and so i had just me recording music and i've never liked doing everything by myself um I enjoy writing music, but I always enjoy the process of working with other people and creating something, you know, holistically with multiple people. Mm -hmm. um, I guess organically, not holistically, but anyway. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, and so I, I put out an ad and I got a lot of responses from it and they weren't really people that I could see myself kind of sticking with. And then I met Dawn and Don was also straight edge. Uh, Don's vegetarian. And so we went out and got lunch a couple of times and then just hung out more and more. And then we're like, okay, you know, this is working. Let's, let's make some music. And so then we started making music. Um, I then had a friend who I'd been working with. I had a previous project years ago. It was just the drummer and I, and she was in a band that was breaking up because the singer was moving away. And so she became available. So Shannon got added on. And then through Shannon, I uh, met Derek. So still didn't have a bass player, but uh, yeah, it's, you know, the four of us uh, kind of just, we all come from different backgrounds. We all have different ideals and things, different musical tastes, but it's easy for us to come together and create stuff. And so it just makes sense. And cool. I, I haven't had a lot of that experience in the past where you can just kind of get together and just stuff kind of flows. So yeah. It's a good feeling. Yeah. So, this That's feels good. good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's good that you all get along. So you've been in a lot of different bands. So what was your first band and when did you decide that <clears throat> music was something that you wanted to do? Oh. Um, when I was 14, I was in a punk band. Okay. Um, we were called Outnumbered. And, uh, they actually kept going for a while after I left, but it was, you know, trying to find myself in high school and it was a very pop punky band influenced by uh, bad religion and suicidal tendencies. And then like a lot okay. of like nineties, like uh, 10 foot pole and pulley and big wig and all that stuff yeah. that was on fearless records at the time. But uh, I had long hair and I listened to <laughs> the wrong kind of music. And so I yeah. kind of got the uh, ultimatum, you know, change my appearance and my outlook on things or, or leave the band so I left the band um yeah then I was in uh, just after high school um I joined just a hardcore punk band called what lies within we were on good life recordings out of Belgium and okay. uh that one was kind of funny the guitar player's dad was my high school uh, social studies teacher oh <laughs> so that was kind of awkward That's going funny. over to his house and like yeah I did I did well in school and yeah. uh you know as a teacher he wasn't allowed to kind of give his political ideologies or opinions on things right but he always had similar ideals to me and uh there'd be like secret winks and stuff when you know when we shared yeah. a, an opinion yeah and so I'd I got along with him well and it was okay in that respect, but it was just still kind of funny showing up to their house being like, Oh, you're my teacher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and even though you're like, you're not in school with this person anymore. It's like, 
Yeah. Hi, Mr. Rudd. How are you? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that's so funny. Um, so we, yeah, we did that one for a while. The, again, the singer just, I think I've always just had issues with singers. Oh. <laughs> so he, he became straight edge after having, uh, issues with drugs and alcohol. And, um, I think he just kind of struggled going back and forth with that type of stuff. And so as, mm. as we would tour, um, and he was losing weight, some of the like stuff that was in his system still came out and it just got really awkward and I, I couldn't hang with that. And then, uh, I was in a, a pop punk band, which, well, I don't know if you call it pop punk, I guess it was just like more of a poppy rock band called, yeah. uh, a prize worth killing. We were also known okay. as the pink daggers because our logo was a pink dagger. Okay. That's cool. um, yeah, that one was a really fun band. We did a lot. We got really popular. Um, nice. Island was looking at us to, um, to develop us around the same time that they were developing a band called Karis flowers, which turned out to be Maroon five. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So <laughs> crazy. had I stuck with that, who knows where we would have been. <laughs> would have been um, another maroon five maybe yeah <laughs> maroon six yeah <laughs> like... we would be four and a half because we were st- we were ahead of them in the in the in the phase yeah but there is uh again just kind of some weirdness with the singer and had to leave that and that's where uh while i was on tour with those guys i met this band um and they didn't end up taking me but there's like oh this other band that you'd be interested in and that was love hate hero yeah. So um, we ended up getting signed to Ferret and the process with them was very interesting because there's a, a book called This Business of Music, which is written by a lawyer and it goes through the exact process of how to get signed, how to do the paperwork, oh, wow. like, okay. um, kind of demystifies a lot of it. And uh, this, uh, I can't remember what his name was. He was the drummer for a band called Semisonic who wrote Closing Time in the yeah. early 2000s. Okay. Um, he wrote a book also which outlined their process of how they got signed yeah and so going out of like straight going off of those two books I went through that whole process and we got signed to to ferret um and the the gatekeeper for ferret was this guy named Rick Barnhart he listened to the music we had everything already done uh we had a music video we had the album recorded um kind of just the whole package ready to go all they had to do was sign us and give us money and yeah. uh so um rick listened to the music he liked it but he wasn't sure if it was ferret material so he was gonna toss it out and then at the last second change his mind gave it to carl and then carl calls me and you're like oh cool we're signed he's like yeah um so um wow. i did that for quite a while but again just couldn't i don't know i'm not a I don't want to speak too ill of people, <laughs> but I'm, I'm just too much of a, I believe there should be shared work and um, yeah. everybody needs to kind of pull their weight. And so I felt like I was just doing everything. Just yeah. couldn't do it. So yeah, that makes uh, sense. I, left, I left music for like 10 or 12 years. I just mm-hmm. didn't want to do it anymore. Oh, when wow. I left love, hate hero, um, I was living in California and pretty much every friend that I had just stopped talking to me because I wasn't popular anymore. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. It was a very strange time. And like just that whole area is very toxic and just 
I knew that if I started a family or if I, you know, kept the wanting to progress as a human, I couldn't do it there. Mm -hmm. And so um, Portland was the first place that I had ever been on tour where someone said hi to me without wanting something from me. Yeah. And so just like the, the lifestyle living in California is everyone's your friend for what they can get out of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not all California, mostly Orange County and that specific part of Orange County. That I was <laughs> yeah. um, and so I just was like, oh, I'm just going to move to Portland and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I just moved up here and didn't have a plan. Um, I had a job waiting for me. The job fell through. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to go back to college and I'll get my master's and become a teacher because my favorite thing from touring was always having kids come up to me and be like, I'm learning how to play guitar because of you. I was like, yeah. oh, cool. Have a guitar. So like I gave yeah. away a bunch of guitars. Yeah, that's cool. Just like just having little kids being so excited about it. It's so yeah. intoxicating. And so I just gave them a guitar. Yeah, and, that's uh, so nice. <laughs> well, it was... Um, the last show that I knew that I was playing, um, I was going to just destroy my guitars. Yeah. But I was like, no, I'll, I'll be, I'll be good. So I had yeah. this kid come up and he's like, my brother's learning how to play guitar because of you. I was like, oh, well, this kid's 10. I was like, how old's your brother's? Six. Oh, like, wow. Oh. So That's I gave him a guitar and the kid, like his eyes just bugged out of his head, <laughs> screaming, running around. And his mom comes up. He's like, did you just give my son a guitar? I was like, yeah she just starts bawling so she's crying I'm crying kids crying (laughs) so it's like I I I knew I wanted to become a teacher because if I couldn't affect lives you know one way I was gonna at least do it through teaching yeah another way so um I did that for god 10 years and uh I mean I've always missed music and I've always kind of dabbled but from the previous, you know, relationships that I've had, um, I was very slow to get back into it because I didn't want to deal with any of that stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. And historically, straight-edge people that I've met and vegan people that I've met have always been so kind of close-minded about it. Like, yeah. I am I am this way, and if you're not this way, there's a problem. So right. when I was younger, I had straight-edge friends, and if they broke edge, they would just stop talking to me because they didn't, you know, all of their other friends were judging them. And yeah. I was like, I don't care. I, I don't do that stuff, but whatever you do or don't do, like that's, that's not my decision to make. So, yeah. and uh, it's always, I mean, for years I've met people like that. And when I was touring, <clears throat> um, and, you know, I'd wear a, a straight edge hoodie or, you know, my, I had a sticker on my guitar that said "Hail Satan," which you know, S E I T A N with a bunch of forks yeah. and a pentagram. And uh, I'd have people kind of ask me about it, but no one really felt, you know, I never felt obligated to be pushy about it or like uh, radical about it. Yeah. So I would just say, "Oh, this is just my thing. I just I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do drugs. I, I don't even do caffeine. Uh, yeah. I'm vegan and." If you are cool, if not, we're still friends. And I think it it, it allowed uh, people to see a more positive side of it than they had historically, right. um, especially coming from California, where we got people that like drive to other states to mm-hmm. beat people up because they're not straight edge. And that yeah. was always the, the, the most depressing part of being part of that movement or idea was, 
yeah knowing that there's so many the the large majority of it was had negative connotations but there, mm-hmm. you know there were a few people but by and large it wasn't worth associating with them to try to find those good people because the large majority of them just weren't mm-hmm. so <clears throat> I, I kind of stayed out of I stayed out of that scene. I stayed out of the vegan scene. Uh, I stayed out of the hardcore scene just because of kind of same thing. There was just so many gatekeepers with everything. When I was going to college, I had to go post back before I could get my master's. I had to get another uh, bachelor because mine was uh, initially in music. Mm -hmm. So I had to get one in in arts to get my master's in English. Um, And so while I was doing that, uh, to help socialize myself, I joined a fraternity. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't drink. I don't like the party. I don't believe in a lot of their politics. It is like, it's a fraternity yeah. called Phi Delta Theta, which is more of a positive. They don't allow drinking in their fraternities. So it was something I yeah. could get behind a little more than from what I'd seen on TV, but mm-hmm. still they go to bars and strip clubs and all that stuff that I'm just not into. But I figured it was a good way to socialize myself and stop being so down in the dumps yeah and uh I was wearing my fraternity shirt to this place in Portland it's a bakery called Sweet Pea that's a vegan bakery and it's, it's kind of cool because yeah. it's part of a a vegan strip mall there's a vegan bakery yeah. a vegan clothing store a vegan uh convenience store and yeah. a vegan tattoo parlor and okay. so I'm in the bakery and I walk up because I was ordering a Thanksgiving dinner and the person behind the counter is like you know we're vegan right yes <laughs> she you know, instantly just had to bash on me because I'm wearing a fraternity shirt she's like well how long have you been vegan longer than you've been alive just you know, <laughs> yeah who cares you should just be happy that I'm ordering vegan food yeah and um I just I haven't bought anything or been there since and I was like you know, 12 years ago it was just such a negative Yikes. experience having yeah. somebody come up and just question your motives for yeah, like, trying to do something good right <laughs> like you, you're just a customer you just want some food want some like food. yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> and uh so I, I just I couldn't be a part of any of that for the longest time just yeah. all of my experiences were so negative and so once I had my son and I started kind of doing that music and I was like, well, okay, maybe it's time to see if things have improved and Mm -hmm. they have greatly improved. Um, It's so cool seeing how, you know, straight edge people have just, and I think it's probably because a lot of them have grown up and gotten over their uh, militant ideals and are more open because they kind of have to. If you mm-hmm. want to have friends, you got to have friends of all types. Yeah. And so uh, it's just, it's ingrained more of a inclusiveness across generations because the large majority of them are now the older ones that are you know showing that inclusiveness. So mm-hmm. vegans aren't as jerky, straight edge people aren't as jerky. Um, and the hardcore scene is actually pretty cool. Uh, up here, there's some yeah. really good bands and very, you know, just a huge mix of everybody. The only thing I yeah. can't figure out is all these damn genres. Um, everything is some weird random subgenre. And I was like, you yeah. know, what kind of music are you guys? Like, I don't, we're, we're hardcore. We're, yeah. you know, we, <laughs> right. we play loud music and scream and 
but I also enjoy playing pop punk. So we have some pop punk songs and like eventually yeah. we'll probably have some acoustic songs. But if they yeah. still ask me and be like, we're still a hardcore band because that's the, you know, that's yeah. the ideal that For we sure. believe in. So yeah, so yeah, it's been a an interesting road of every type of music. And I like I've played in coffee shop bands where we've done folk music. I just love playing music. Um, yeah. I have a my you know uh, I got a degree in, in class uh, jazz composition, um, and then okay. I've you know I have my English degree, so I just enjoy writing and songs and uh, stories and things. And, yeah, um, that's cool. Part of my yeah part of my teaching, um, I incorporated a lot of music into it too. Yeah. So it's it's such a a positive force. And you can use it for so many different things. One of the things that I've always wanted to do was um, there is a school in Pomona or actually in Pasadena in California that yeah. works with um, very disabilities, but it, this, the whole school solely uses music. Yeah. And um, it's music therapy, mm -hmm. but it's for speech development, social interactions, um, you know, like the kids of Whitney High. Um, yeah. My friend did a, a documentary of them and I got to meet all them and hang out with them when they were in Oregon and um, oh. follow them around on a bit of their tour. And just like, yeah. and the same type of thing, like Michael Monaghan, their teacher, used music to help these kids become social. And the uh, just the leaps and bounds that it allows people to take. And yeah. it, cures a lot of social anxiety and allows them to be more outgoing and where before they would kind of feel themselves as pariahs because they're different now they have a way to get themselves out <clears throat> excuse me and use it as a as a means to better themselves better their social status meet people and if they aren't comfortable talking to somebody one-on-one -on -one, they can go play a show and then that will yeah. uh, entice people to come to them. So yeah. it's a really cool way to create that, uh, you know, break down those boundaries and those social uh, anxieties yeah. that you might have. So for sure, there's a long answer to why I'm doing music. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's all cool though. So are you still a teacher right now? Uh, right now I am an IT director and a volunteer firefighter. Um, okay. Teaching got really depressing not okay. because of the the teaching side just the bureaucracy of what they're requiring teachers to do yeah it, how do you kind of balance your job with um like your family and the band and everything oof. um my current job doing it is kind of a 24 7 job so i can do it from wherever uh we actually just got back from a disney cruise uh, my wife and my son and I, and I'd like sneak off while they're sleeping and do some work, Yeah, <laughs> check on things and come back. And then, um, you know, with the band, uh, Don is still teaching. So uh, he's got quite a schedule. Um, Derek yeah. does a lot of IT stuff as well. Shannon um, has... She's got a lot of things in the fire. Um, she is working. Uh, 
she works well actually she stopped doing that but she was working with uh, the city of Newburgh where she lives uh, working on their music program out there she's working on a, a networking job for musicians and uh, wineries she does cool. property management so we've all got quite a bit going yeah. on um, the the great thing and the sad thing about technology and music today is like it's so easy to just record something, send it to this person. They can add their part, send it to that person. Um, so it's easier to create music and record music, but it's not as democratic because yeah. everyone's not in the same room. Mm -hmm. So the album was basically me and Derek or me and Shannon or me and Don or like, you know, two of us. Yeah. And um, so there wasn't a time where everybody was together recording at the same time. Okay. Um, we played together a couple of times, but, you know, we've met together, uh, but it's, it's a great thing that we're able to have our lives and still be able to make music, but it's a shame that we can't get together more often. Right. So um, it's, something we're working on um, yeah. we're committing more to it and becoming better about it and we started you know getting together uh weekly and then I got sick oh no <laughs> got sick and just like so yeah. uh we're working on it yeah but yeah the 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 really great thing is you know we can record and play at my house so I'm not too far from my family okay. My job yeah. allows me to do a lot um, from the road. Um, the one thing that really comes up a lot is the firefighting. And that yeah. one will send me away for weeks at a time if I'm doing wildfires yeah. or, um, you know, if there's a, a big fire going on, I could be gone for like eight to 10 hours of that day. Mm -hmm. And that's just on a whim. So there's yeah. been a time where I've had somebody over here we're recording and I'm like, I got to go. Sorry, then, my phone's ringing. Oh, I don't know if you can hear that, but... <laughs> But like, you know, we'll be in the middle of recording and suddenly I get a call and I have to run down to the fire station and, you know, go do something. And then I'm gone for like three hours. So it's kind of a, you know, you just do what you can, take as much as you can. And right. where the band wasn't ever really uh, designed from the beginning to be like something that we were going to go gung ho with. Yeah. Um, it's turned into it from the positive responses that we've got. So now we're all making adjustments because we were like, oh, let's just, just be some casual, you know, thing yeah. for fun. And it was like, oh, this is actually something. So let's, yeah, we got to get together more. Yeah, definitely. So you released your newest EP called Be Nice in October. Can you talk about how, like what the themes of that EP are and what the overall message is? Be nice. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's... <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> still getting over being sick oh, um, yeah. the whole album is a like I was saying it's a conversation between myself and my son Atlas mm -hmm. uh, each one is something that I have gone through or an emotion that I felt and it kind of goes into either just the emotion or how I felt with it so like the first song anger and acceptance is all these bad things happen and then, you know, you get mad, but there's just no time to hold on to that anger. So 
Mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't, I don't have time to be angry about stuff. I'm just not yeah. that angry anymore. Yeah. And the second one is all the bad things that ever happened to you. You just kind of take what you can from the good and then just get rid of the bad um, yeah. purpose. Kind of the same thing is all these things hit you and you have a choice of how you want to let it affect you. And so right. I take, you know, I take all these things in and then I just spin them back out and get rid of them and just hang on yeah. to the good stuff. So, cool. uh, yeah, I mean, the, the whole album is just how I and kind of the collective we feel about certain things. So uh, emotions, situations, how to take something bad and turn it into something positive. Oh, I think that's a great message. So one of the songs on the EP is called Live With Myself, but it's in Japanese. Can you talk about why you chose to write it in a different language and what that song is about? Yeah. Um, the the one thing that always struck me when I traveled, um, be it on tour or just traveling in general, there's such a a, a strong feeling wherever you go being an American that people are going to, they feel that you expect that they speak English perfectly when you talk to them. Mm -hmm. And so, so many people um, want to speak English to you, but they're so nervous about how they're going to sound. And so uh, like I've been to Japan and they really want to speak English. They want to speak my version of English because I'm from California. So I have a (laughs) California accent. So they want that American California English. And so they want to work on that. I was like, oh, I want to work on my Japanese. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's always been such a, you know, language is such a unifier and it's been such a eye-opening experience. Like we went to France and I was at the Disney hotel out there mm-hmm. and this guy walks up and he's from Texas. He's got this big hat and he's like, do you mm-hmm. speak American? And oh man. And so the lady behind the <laughs> counter looks at him and it's just like, seriously, she has a name tag that has a French flag and a British flag. So yeah, she speaks English because there's yeah. a British flag right there. So she just looks at him and she's like, je ne comprends l'anglais. Like, I don't speak English. So he looks yeah. at me and I was like, oh, je ne comprends. And <laughs> he gets mad and walks away. And she, you know, I, it was my turn to come up afterwards. And she was so nice that I knew enough French to kind of get through the conversation that she yeah. bent over backwards to, to do stuff, to be nice to us. And yeah. so I don't, I don't feel right uh, going places and expecting that they're going to speak English. So if we ever travel... I try to learn as much as I can of that language to get around or do something. Yeah. And so when I'm writing music and it's like, well, I could do all these songs in English, but there's also all these other people in other countries that I want to reach out to. And I want to kind of, I want to go there. So yeah. it'd be nice to record something in that language. So we have that song in Japanese. Um, there's a band from Germany we're doing a split with uh, in the next couple of months. So I'm recording one of cool. their songs. Um, we're doing a, a song called Exodus, um, yeah. and that one's in German. Um, you know, I want to do a song in French, I want to do a song in Icelandic. Uh, oh, cool. Just, you know, language is such a great unifier, but it's such a shame that English has to be the, you know, everyone has to come to our table. Right. So I'd rather be able to, like, 
you know, meet people halfway and, and do something yeah. like that. So really um, cool. I started writing the, the Japanese song and the way that I learned Japanese, um, I, I took it for years in college and on my own. And there's so many different forms of the language. There's the yeah. casual business and formal. And then depending on who you're talking to, then you have to change it and who you're talking about, you have to change it. So um, I, I ended up doing it in like uh, business casual Mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be you know me talking to my son and so I had a friend who's in Osaka read it and she's like oh no 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 <laughs> so she oh, that's funny pulls out the red pen and then pretty much you know the 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 bones were there but the whole thing got a makeover and yeah. uh so I worked with her on it and cool. um it's The, the direct translation of it is um, you may think that there's all these parts of you that are negative, but it's all how you present yourself and whatever choices and decisions that you make in your life, you have to live with them. So you can see those things as a negative or you can see them as a positive. Mm-hmm. So it's more of like a um, look at look at yourself and look at how you take all of these events in your life and how you present that to the world. Cause that's, that makes you who you are. Yeah. And I've had good things happen to me and I've had detrimental, terrible things. I mean, I'm a firefighter, so I see all kinds of stuff. And yeah. um, the way that I let that affect me and the way that I let that change my countenance and how I present myself to the world is important. Yeah. So I can take the bad things from it and become a depressed curmudgeon and, you know, hate life or I can take the bad things from it and be like you know there's a lesson there and I'm going to take the positive stuff from it and I'm going to stay positive positive.